I'm not pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work at Home Edition. So today, I have a video card to hang out to talk all about the art direction of the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Hey, video. Hey, Mark. How you doing, mate? Okay, so first, I, I want to stress, like, this This is a subject matter near and dear to your heart. Yeah, very much. I, um... Uh... I have been thinking about the set since I've been a Magic player, right? And uh, I've been a Magic player longer than we've had Ixalan. So when Ixalan came out, yeah. I was a big fan. Like, it was the first time I couldn't really afford it, but it was the first time I got myself some uh, booster boxes, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, tried to collect the whole set as much as I could. Uh, I really loved the work in the original set. Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking, what what would I do? if I came back to this, you know, and mm -hmm. back then it was not even a possibility for me. I was still in art school. Mm -hmm. So um, a few years later, I got the chance, right? Like y'all in the vision team mm -hmm. decided oh, when we were doing underground, okay, well, you know what? It seems like Ixalan might be a good fit here. Oh, no, no, to be clear, and, vision did not do that. We were oh, not, we handed, we handed off the set and then like two weeks later, like, could this be Ixalan? So... We had no idea oh we were making this at. It wasn't Ixalan yet. But, uh... Yeah, I remember it was uh, came from Jess and Doug. Yes. And they were like, okay, mate, uh, there you go. You got your thing. Go <laughs> and play. Uh, we, we didn't have much time, but I was lucky that I had been thinking about it for a long time. Right. And, and we had so many awesome collaborations, so many awesome meetings uh, before the concept push. The concept push is where we invite concept artists to work on the set and we drop a lot of ideas, think about how this is going to look. And the the reason we got to do so many new things is because we went underground, right? And we got to create yeah. new new groups, new new places, new environments, new themes, new motifs. I wanted I wanted the set to look to the point that no matter where you put the camera, it's clear it's Ixalan. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's just, you're not going to get lost. You, you might get lost, it's caves, but <laughs> so, <laughs> you're not going to get lost between cards, yeah. So what what do you think is like the essence of, of feeling like Ixalan? What, what were the key things to you? So visually, as, as an art director, you you think what what came before and what can we add, right? What came before, very cool dinos, mm -hmm. right? We have the Legion of Dusk. We have the Sun Empire. We have the we have the Brazen Coalition, and we have the River Heralds. Mm -hmm. That came before. Yeah. One way to tie everything together in the caverns was to use the Mayan spiral. Um, to to use the Nazca inspired uh, glowing lines on cave walls. To have a very colorful palette. This set has like a very rich, colorful palette full of contrast and, and uh, some geometric patterns typical of modern indigenous textiles. Uh, we, we, we wanted to evoke many things. We, we knew, Miguel and I, we knew that we had this set to make our, our statement about Latino America. The way we feel the love we have for, for our culture. Uh, and so we brought part of our life experience into the set, but codified the colors, the Maya spiral, the lines, 
and many of the other details that that you put the camera and there's a lot of references to to codexes, a lot of references to structures, Machu Picchu, there's even like sky gondolas, many things that that come from people who traveled to South America, people who grew up there, people who lived there. Okay, so one of the things you, you pointed out, this was underground. So we were making a brand new environment. Obviously, it had to feel like Ixalan. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how, how do you make an underground environment? How did you do that? Well, that's a big challenge, right? Because you, the first thing I, you imagine when you imagine the underground is it's quite drab. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I said to the concept artists was, hey, I don't want this to look drab. So let's, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to find a way to make this colorful. And we, we can make the, the creatures colorful, but we need sources of light. I even wrote uh, an essay that went into the, the handbook, the, the world guide that we send the artists. I wrote an essay on how illumination can work, what sources of illumination there exist down here, and how saturated the lights should be. Like just technical, a lot of technical detail, just making sure that that this feels uh, vibrant. How does it look underground? You always have a roof, mm -hmm. right? The, the The light comes from under. And it gets darker as it goes up. That's in uh, indisputably underground. Mm -hmm. Now the biggest challenge was the core, right? Because you have the core is a hollow sphere. It's an inverted sphere. Every mm -hmm. time you're on the ground, and we um, we even measured how what the diameter would be for the core, like around 22 kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles, maybe. <laughs> but but, uh, the, but the core was difficult because we how does a how does a hollow sphere look from the inside when you're standing in it? And we had to give it a few tries. Like it was hard for the artists and hard for me. Something it, it was a concept that was easy enough to verbalize, but to visualize it takes iteration. And uh, we we managed that look all the way down to the illustration level. But now, when something's set in the core, it's very clear. You see land on the other side, and it looks a little curved, right? And that was our cue. Okay, so one of the things that, to make it feel like Ixalan, was definitely, as you said, the, the, the four factions showed up here. Um, yep. The set... The set's not about the factions so much, so yeah. from a mechanical standpoint, I mean, there's a little bit of dino typo, but um, how did you, what did you do for each of the four to bring them in, but, you know, add your own sort of spin on things, if you will? So, I love the stuff that was done for the Legion of Dusk, like the, the leaning on their ideology and their religion and their relics and their pilgrimage. So we even like one thing, one image that was constant from the beginning, I remember, came from Miguel, was that uh, like a, a, a line of heavily dressed uh, conquistadors, conquistadores, mm. going, snaking down a cliff, uh, carrying relics and so on, just like you would have seen 500 years ago. Mm. Um, that was a great image and I, I think that was a good thing to lean on in as as they come to encounter Aklasots, mm -hmm. which we hadn't seen before. That was another thing. We hadn't seen Aklasots before, purely, right? 
uh, and um, Arguel's blood feast showed the like the face of Aklasots, but you realize that it's not truly the face; it's just what Arguel is imagining in this ecstasy, you know, this this passion that he's having. Um, on the Sun Empire, we made them a lot more lean like explorers than knights mm -hmm. because they're about to head on an expedition and they're actually practical. <laughs> yeah. They actually have a practical mission to accomplish here. The the river heralds are the ones who were the most connected with the caves because they've had they've had more time, a head start mm -hmm. to anyone, right? And you see uh, one of the merfolk legends already learned how to manipulate cosmium and water in a unique way within the cave system. Uh, the dinos got more color. We, we, we brought some recognizable Latin American animal patterns, like not necessarily dino, but birds, but put it on dinos, right? There's some dinos that look like macaws. There's some dinos that have uh, like the wing, they spread the wings and you see like a little nice pattern like eyes. Uh, and many of them have glyphs on them. There's, I think there's a cycle of that. Yeah, there is a cycle of dinos that have glyphs. It's a cycling land dinos. They're, it's a common cycle. So we, we made it our own in that manner, right? We added more color and we, we strengthened the motifing. With uh, the, the Brazen Coalition, this turned into a search for kinship and a search for home. And they had a very unfortunate encounter with the Michael Tyrant, mm -hmm. right? Like a, a lot of downtown was taken and Xavier Sal became just completely taken by the fungos. So that's another thing you see here, them them toiling with that, um, trying, to, trying to come to terms, the ones that managed to escape and the ones that don't, Get get to have some cool fungus growing on them. <laughs> There's one card that that shows one of them. He's like ah, he's just like being surprised by the fungus on his hand. Okay, so you brought up a couple things I want to hit. Um, one is while we're bringing some things from up above, you had to invent some new things down below. Like we talked about the fungus. So like. How did you yep. create the creatures that were unique that we'd never seen before that weren't above ground that only existed below ground? How did you figure out what those were? So uh, it was pretty fast. <laughs> it was pretty fast. We we did want. I remember Doug making like a little chart of how we're gonna handle that with uh, with the color pairs and who are gonna put on the color pairs and what you might encounter, what's flavorful for caverns, what's flavorful for uh, for Exelon and so on. And, and that gave us a very strong cue. We ended up adding the Jaguar folk. We ended up having cave goblins, like unique mm -hmm. cave goblins besides the, the ones that, that uh, from the Raisin Co Coalition. We had the Malamet, which is the Jaguar folk. At that time, it was just the Jaguar folk that we called them. And we got a lot of help from um, Alastor Guzman, who was the uh, cultural consultant for the set. Yeah, uh, He gave us some guidelines that were very useful to develop this faction and very early in the development, which was great. Uh, the Echoes, which were the... I remember talking about the importance of artifacts and us being able to, not artifacts, 
mechanically, I mean, like culturally, and that being able to evoke a sense of history. And so that's that's what brought about the spirits here. They all have like a focus object that they come out of. They, they're always having like, a, there's always a solid object around which they form. And last but not least, the old tech. Oh, well, I'll talk about the fungus too, because, but uh, the old tech, I wanted us to have at least one other indigenous faction, mm-hmm. another indigenous theme faction. We have several, I think. We used indigenous, ancient Maya, South American mm-hmm. motifs throughout the caves. You see ruins and everything, but but you also see it in the Malamet, mm-hmm. even in the mycoids, in, in the, the creatures of the mycotyrant, you see it. There's some South American toys that we took reference from, and that's how we designed some of these. And with the old tech, I wanted to create a culture that looked like it was the ancestor of, of all the ones that had spread of the ones that had come up to the surface. So the old tech started in the core and they stayed there. They're living ancestors. And like as we discussed, the mycoids were, were just so fun to work with. What what inspired the fungus people? What, what what inspired them? We're talking about what to do with green black. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another, you know, that's in, in magic, we always talk about fungus and talk about that because it, it has that death and rebirth and, and continuous life. Uh, I love what Miguel did with the Michael Tyrant mm-hmm. and the concept of them being these knowledge gatherers that never stop and that they may, that may overgrow the plane and just turn that into themselves. I loved that organic aspect, but at the same time, it, it's just one entity talking through each of through all of them. And there was uh, Jehan designed some mycelium networks that that you see. So they so the 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 the, the fungi talk to each other, and in this case, that that happens in real life. But in 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 Exelon, you can see it on the surface. You see a wheel of fungus. And a network that just grows out of a center and you know that they're talking to each other and that's where a new entity is going to just rise up, probably hit you over the head or something like that and turn you into them too. Okay, there's one creature from underground you haven't talked about yet. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's an old-time magic uh, thing. So way back in early magic, um, mm-hmm. for some reason, we decided to make gnomes artifact creatures uh, and... Even though in the normal tradition, like normal mythology, gnomes are they're living. Uh, but magic early on made gnomes, and so it just was this thing we did in artifacts that we haven't done for a while, and we brought them back. So, how how did you make the gnomes? They're they're definitely a very entertaining look of, of uh, creatures. So, there were several iterations of gnomes mm-hmm. throughout the push, and we ended up uh, they were going to be a minor part. I remember when yeah. we started. Mm-hmm. And so we, we paid them mind, but mm-hmm. we didn't spend a ton of time on them because there, there was, look at the set. There's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. There's a ton of ground to cover. <laughs> so 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 when, when Doug said, oh, okay, so here's some gnomes, mate. 
just let's think about gnomes. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And we started doing it. By the time the push ended mm-hmm. and we we came back to the card set yeah. to take a look at what's going on. Yeah. It was like, dude, there's a lot of gnomes here, mate. Like the, the, the crafting has a lot to do with them. There's yeah. there's a lot happening. So we did some extra concept work to align them with the old tech. Mm-hmm. And it it played really nicely because the old tech were already coded as this very, very, very clever and technological civilization that had a lot of wisdom, mm-hmm. many forms of writing, many aqueducts and structures and so on. You know, like between design and world building, there's a lot of push and pull. I give you, you take. And yeah. like uh, as we develop the set, we we do a lot of things like that. We we just try to negotiate what works best for for the set. Of course, we're yeah. just we're all trying to make the best cards that we can, and we ended up designing. Well, you know what the 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 gnomes it would be good to align them to the old tech. And so I remember talking like, okay, Linda, let's put all this motifing. Jahan helped me a lot on uh, Steve Prescott's design, and there we went. Even even after that, like when we came to the card set. There's like, oh, what about this gnome that's made of several gnomes? What about this gnome that does whatever? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like during illustrations, we had to like come up with several creative ways to like the for the, the art for a braid. There's there's so so many types mm. of gnomes. And we had to come up with so many original ideas. I remember, okay, map maker, okay, then like it can't be just a gnome with a regular map, it has to be a gnome running around with a map that goes all the way back into the caves because that's how long the map is. Who knows how long it took it. So we had to come up with not just the little group, the alignment and the motifing that the group would have, like it has old tech glyphs on it and some have even old tech clothing, but also there were several one-off solutions because it was a very multi-purpose thing to with artifact creatures in the set, right? So you have to come up with several ways to deal with it. And uh, uh, the cleverness in the creative team is incredible. And we're just very lucky we have people who are very passionate, not just about the cards, but also about the world building we were doing. Okay, so we, we've talked a lot about the creatures underground. So you brought up the concept of Cosmium. You want to talk a little bit about what Cosmium is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so... Cosmium is, it's a, it's a source of power and it's a source of wisdom as well. The only people who know how to wield it ideally are the old tech. You'll see how it affects the Legion of Dusk as well. And we've seen how Watley ends up actually learning Cosmium and getting Cosmium on her. Mm-hmm. And the gnomes also have Cosmium in them. It powers them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a resource that comes from the sun at the center of the hollow core of Ixalan, the, the star Chimil. I love the names in that set. Like all the names were so awesome. And uh, the, the, the star Chimil was riven by an ancient invader many millennia ago are going to know very little about that for now. Mm-hmm. But people are already, there's already conspiracy theories yeah. <laughs> about that. 
so th- that's that's what Cosmium is and does. We wanted something that helped with the crafting, right? With the crafting mechanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my next question is: This was a set, and you were very excited. You know, you it really came from your own background. What were the things that you and Miguel like? What were you able to add that wasn't in original Ixalan that is now in Cavern's Ixalan that you were excited that you know that you were able to add to sort of bring forth your background? So, I'll uh, I'll plug one of my illustrations first okay. because it's the one that first comes to mind. Like mm-hmm. I did the promo for Jade Light Spelunker, and the pose, the pose and the weapon look like a sculpture I used to see all the time as a kid growing up in Guatemala. It's a sculpture of the the Prince of the Maya Quiche, the Kunuman. So that was a reference that it would have been hard to come up with if you hadn't grown up there. Like not many people know about this historical character. We made other references. Like every day it's just really nice to see uh to see how people post that they found another reference. Like someone I, I was just seeing today that someone found that we started like we were inspired by the Nazca lines mm-hmm. or for the glowing lines. Yeah. And people People will see the, the the ball game. Like there's common things that 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 many people know about Mesoamerican Mesoamerican history, mm-hmm. but there's modern things, right? Like the huipiles or the or the textile patterns and the palettes, the the alternate treatments also evoke a lot of urban modern urban Latin American art mm-hmm. and alebrijes and things like that. So we I think this time what we did was lean heavily more into the theme and make it that this made it feel we're seeing we're being inspired by these cultures we are being uh seeing the the inspiration from the inside rather from the outside right it's not it's not just age of exploration it's it's mix of cultures and it's it's reaching into history reaching into the future and reaching into yourself at the same time so I'm gonna pick one of my favorites, and I want to hear about it because I, I I know there's a lot to it. Um, cool. So when we do sagas, one of the things that we tend to do is it's some form of art telling you about the history of the world. Like that we normally when we do we do sagas, it's something organic to the world that's talking about whatever the thing is. Um, mm-hmm. So on the back of Huatli, we have Roar of the Fifth People, yeah. which the the history is shown through clothing, which I think is really interesting. Um, do you, can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's, it's a really neat piece. And I was very passionate about that piece. Okay. I, I remember we we did Miguel and I, <laughs> Miguel and I did ask Jules like, hey, hey, mate, like, can this please, please, please have a saga on the other end? Can 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 you please put a saga? Like, that would be awesome if you tell us a poem, you know, like. And then we started thinking like, what would be a good idea? We had already put uh, Wipiles. On a wipil is a sort of it, it, it's an upper body garment mm-hmm. that's very loose and many times it's tied with a belt under a corte, which is a, a for another form of uh, lower body garment. Like a, it's not a skirt, it's not a dress. You just wrap yourself in it. Um, and then I remember going to um, a cultural center in Santa Catarina Palopo 
It's by the Lake Atitlan. We had the chance to talk with uh, two of the indigenous women there who ran the center. Mm-hmm. They were the founders. They, they, they got the financing and everything and they opened it. And we got to go in and they told us what their local wipil meant. Mm-hmm. Each pattern in the wipil on the sleeves, on the collar, the weave, and the different the different combinations meant the morning tide, the evening tide, mm-hmm. the winter, the rainy season. And ev- as, as you go through the garment, there's glyphs. There's local birds woven into the fabric. There's, it's such a rich, it was, I, I knew this. I knew this already. But in this conversation, I had like a very deep connection, mm-hmm. right, to the culture. These are, that's also why like the Oltec are living mm-hmm. ancestors. I want to make sure that indigenous peoples are, are here. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're still, they're still making stuff, and they're in many ways they're using, uh, they're using modern media to express themselves as well, mm-hmm. and so that moment and the history I inherited inspired that whole saga, mm-hmm. right? Like putting the glyphs in there, the dinos and the weave, and I remember when when Tyler made. The sketch, I remember telling Tyler, hey, dude, this is, thank you for this piece. It's beautiful. Like the normal feedback that you give an artist, right? Composition, palette, whatever. But at the same time, a, a compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, this reminded me a lot of my family. Mm-hmm. And this reminded me a lot of home. And um, it made me very happy to see it. And that was how I closed. When I approved the piece, mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like I had put something very special in the, in the magic set. And uh, it made, uh, I hope many people get to see it. And I hope many people get to connect with this set the way I, the way I did when I was developing it. When, when we pitched a lot of ideas, uh, same with Miguel, he brought so much of him into the set that uh, I hope the passion rates, I hope people get to see how passionate we were about it. and feel seen as well. So we're almost done here, but one last thing I wanted to talk about just because it came up is uh, I'm getting a lot of compliments from people because uh, you guys made some effort to get some animals that are, are more native um, to the area. So let's talk a little bit about the animals because uh, Matthew's got his first capybara and, you know. <laughs> the, the capybara was a very, listen, it was a very early ask. Yeah. Like, <laughs> probably, like the capybara is the last thing we're talking about, but top of the list yeah. when we were doing the concept push, everyone wanted to give it a, uh, give it a go. Uh, we got a few in the set. Yeah. Uh, the llamas, right? Mm-hmm. The There's a there's a quetzal somewhere mm-hmm. there in one of the pieces. I think I reposted that today. Yeah. So we, we were really trying to take a look at like the types of frogs, the coati, yeah, right, with, which is a type of mapache, mm-hmm. uh, a raccoon, yeah, and we we really wanted to to enrich the the set with many lived in things that reference the world in in our own special way. Mm-hmm. I remember saying, well, you know what, I I don't want to see a single creature that looks just. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. like a regular animal or yeah. just like a colorless creature, right? Mm -hmm. Like you you need to put patterns here and you need to put that that textile, mm -hmm. you know, geometric motif that we just developed. We need to put strength in this and, and reinforce the theme with each creature. And every time, as I said, like every no matter where you put the camera, mm -hmm. that's a that's a fun thing to think about how how much the team worked to make sure that the whole set was very flavorful. Yeah, I, I just have to say, I mean, we're, I, we have to wrap up here, but uh, I really, really love just talking to you and Miguel, like how how excited you were and how passionate you are to share all this stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's really neat to as, as you look through the set, you know, it. You just can see. I mean, it's really. I don't know. It's it's really cool in a way that that I I adore. I, I I love I love magic sets. Sort of teaching people things that they might not know, and you know that when we go to different worlds, it's really fun that every world has some inspiration, you know, from somewhere. And this one, obviously, it's a very direct inspiration. So that's super, yeah, that's neat to see. And I I love hearing all your passions. That's why it's exciting to talk to you about it. Thank you, Mark. So, any final thoughts today? Any final thoughts on the Lost Caverns Ixalan and and, and Everyone who, everyone who plays it, I, I wanna. I, I hope people feel very curious about our uh, our countries and about our culture. I, I think it, it's um, it's a good start. We felt the responsibility of being able to set a bar for for any other. I, I want we set a bar for this for, for Latin American fantasy. I want others to surpass it. Of course, I want this, more of this to be done. I want more of this to happen in the world. We were thinking about what kind of cultural landscape we're bringing this about in. And we are very cognizant of that throughout the process. So for those of uh, those who are Latin American, I hope they feel seen those who are not. I hope they feel curious and I hope they go back to the inspiration that also inspired us. Well, great. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being here today. It's great talking with thanks, you. Thanks, man. So everybody thank else. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Uh, everybody else, uh, I can see my desk. So we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to make magic. So I want to thank a video and we'll see all you guys next time. Bye-bye.